Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And with us today, we have special guest, the one and only author, Jerry Croteau. Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with icebreakers? Absolutely. What is the one book you wish you could read again for the first time? The Stand by Stephen King. Really? I know you didn't expect that, but I, I, I know you're looking at me like, um, because the romances, I can't pick one, you know, I grew Mm -hmm. up reading romances too. Um, but really the stand I have to say is it because, uh, I read it in high school, I want to say, and I did my senior year AP English history thesis on it and compared it this is hilarious to the book of revelation in the Bible. And I am, you know, I'm a Catholic girl from Buffalo, New York. I, I, I didn't study the Bible intensely at all. Um, that was probably the most I'd ever read it up until that point. So oh, I still chuckle that, that is I, only when you're ever. young, you have the audacity to do that. Yeah. But that's hilarious. Think, so like yeah. while you were reading it, were you mm-hmm. like how did that comparison come up happen like yeah. a high school girl <laughs> well i well you know what one of my um gifts because let's uh, we're all here our biggest gift is that we read right which gives us so much and emphasis mm-hmm. and i already know so much about you guys even if we had never communicated before because you're readers and we like the same uh, genres and subgenres. so i have always been able to put together seemingly um, unrelatable things, which led, which helped me in my intelligence career in the Navy. And so as I was reading it, I thought about it being apocalyptic. And of course, I'm sure that there were requirements for that AP English uh, essay paper at the end of the course that I, you know, pulled from that. And that's where I got the idea from. That is fascinating. That is so cool. That's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. I love it. Are you scared yet? You're scared. <laughs> I've never read Stephen King, but I'm such a like horror. I love the horror genre. I've just uh-huh. his books are so they're so big. They're an undertaking. <laughs> yes, they're yeah, an undertaking. Well, you know what? I would recommend uh, Mr. Mercedes that whole series. It's police procedural, but there is some, there are some elements of the horror in it. Maybe some people would argue um, supernatural, but I think it's more science fiction. And okay. my husband and I just finished watching the series, the television produced series, which was excellent, but wasn't exactly the same as the book. But it's always fun to see Stephen King in a um, a little snippet cameo. Yeah. He, was, he makes he his way into every one of his movies. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, too. <laughs> uh, me, too. I'm with him. Yep. Absolutely. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I am naturally a night owl, but as life rolls on and the years go by, (laughs) it's better for me to get up earlier and get the day going. Um, My prime writing time, my husband has pointed out, is between 3 and 7 p.m. I don't know why. If I start writing before noon, it's going to be a very, very productive day. And I do that towards the end of books. but I use the mornings more for doing social media, trying to connect with readers, this kind of thing, which I love. I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from podcasts, and I'm so thrilled that you guys are doing this because podcasts are my new best friend. It's how I've Yay. researched, you know, series and getting into new things. Awesome. Awesome. 
Uh, what is one thing you like within arm's reach while writing? A cup of coffee or a <laughs> cup of tea. Nice. Um, I like sparkling water, fizzy water. Uh, that would be about it. I like it when my dog's here. They're not. I kept them downstairs. And I have a parrot. I don't like him within arm's reach because he bites me. But. <laughs> Well, true story, he likes to sneak up on me off his cage and he'll come upstairs or if he's up here in his cage, he has a couple cages, you know, perching areas mm -hmm. through the house. He'll come and bite my feet under the desk and that's, that's, it's startling. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> Just say so, hi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do keep things, um around though like I have little memento things that just oh, you nice. know I have this little rock that says peace I have a little turtle somebody gave me that reminds me to you know slow yeah. and steady um a butterfly it. you know things like that I do have these special things around that, that just make me happy <laughs> yeah. so we love to hear romance origin stories how did you become a romance reader well, I was nine years old and I had run out of Nancy Drew's and my mother handed me a book from her stack on her nightstand. The title was Night Duty Nurse. It was a candlelight romance mm. and it ended with a kiss at the end. I mean, there was nothing salacious yeah. whatsoever in it and I loved it. And so then I started devouring her romances and you can Google it and see the cover. And I remember it was about a nurse who cared for a man who had been in a fire, I believe, and he lost his leg. And back then he had a wooden leg, but she didn't know his leg was fake till the blanket came off and she was there to massage his feet or something. I know it's stuck, of course it stuck with me. Mm -hmm. It's the first one I ever read. So yeah, that's how I started it. And then my teen years, I devoured, um, you know, anything, Nora Roberts and, uh, you know, uh, everyone, Ann Mather. Oh my gosh, Ann Mather yes. was one of my favorites. I still remember Dark Star, I think was the name of one of the romances that had Spanish in it, which mm -hmm. I absolutely love because I studied Spanish for so many years. Um, yeah, I, I guess. And then my, okay, so I went to the Naval Academy for college time and my female classmates insist that I read, um, they remember me always having boxes of Harlequin romances that I read <laughs> when I wasn't studying, which would explain my academic ranking. Um, <laughs> I did earn that minor in naval engineering, but man, wasn't my, that's not one of my gifts. But um, at any rate, so I've, I've always been a voracious reader and romance has been at the top of the list. Nice. So you had read all the Nancy Drews by the time you were nine? Yeah, I well, I ran out of what we had at home and whatever my library had. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, so I'm seeing kind of the threads of romantic suspense where <laughs> the right? maybe. I never, yeah, I never did. You know, I never that never occurred to me. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Wow. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Even though I started with super romances at um, mm -hmm. Harlequin when I when I first sold. And the line I sold to was more women. It was women's fiction. It was called Everlasting Love. It was supposed to be the lifetime of a romance. And it, they were originally supposed to come out and trade. Mm -hmm. um, different things happened and that did not happen. So then they rolled them. That line closed before my book even came out. They rolled it into super romance, and which was fine. But they really were, they were, a, they encompassed a bigger timeline than most super romances do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I but messaged really, Sarah last night. I was like. 
because your your first the the rendezvous um, to remember yeah rendezvous to remember I was like this is the second everlasting love book that I've seen and I was messaging Sarah and I'm like was this a series I don't know about or like a mini series that was part of a series it, it was a whole another category and yeah. um, a whole another line that Harlequin had done and there are wonderful books mm -hmm. there and wonderful authors came out of that um, Tracy Wolf you probably yep. know about now and then um, Linda Cardillo who writes um, she writes all women's fiction and to see sold to that line, both she and Linda formed their own publishing company, Bella Story mm -hmm. Press, and they put out a lot, you know, women's fiction and um, mm -hmm. things that wouldn't fit in a category line um, and are bigger, you know, more sweeping stories and plots. So yeah, a lot of amazing authors came out of there and I'm so honored to have even been in that category with them, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we're going to talk about that book in a little bit, but like, I want it. I was like, oh, this has like so many buzzwords for me. Journal, <laughs> like <laughs> grandmother leaves it behind. Yes. No one's getting yes. divorced. I was like, oh, I need this book. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, You'll get sure. it. I'll, we'll make sure that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, on your website, you share that you spent nine years in the active duty Navy before deciding to follow your heart and pursue your dream of becoming a writer. Can you share with us uh, how you knew it was time to transition from one career path to the dream career path? Well, the story goes that I was standing watch in a watch center in a command that did, we were working the war on the drugs at the time. And um, it was the middle of the night, probably three in the morning. And one of my colleagues said, if you could do anything, you know, you didn't have to worry about money or security, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd be um, barefoot with hair down to my ass writing romance novels. Is it okay that I said ass? Sorry. And, no, you're um, fine. No, you're and, good. And they looked, he looked at me kind of oddly, but he said, well, then you should be writing. I didn't know at the time that he was a writer. He And I, as far as I know, he's never published. And he read P.D. James. So I guess I should have seen that the, what the, yeah. the universe was telling me. But um, so I started writing then. And I think I finished my first book or started it about the time I was pregnant with my son or right after I had him. So he's 28 now. <laughs> so that tells oh you how long ago that was. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. There was no doubt I was meant to be a writer. Then the other side of that, um, more personally, is that my husband was also active duty and was going to make the Navy a full career. And I just, for me, I couldn't be torn. It was hard enough working active duty in a shore command, leaving my son all day every day when my husband was deployed to beautiful places like Australia and, you know, everywhere around the world. He was the assistant navigator on an aircraft carrier. Um, but I, he's, a, he's a pilot. He's a, he was a P3 pilot. Um, he stayed in for 27 years and I, that's why I got out because I just felt one parent should be available 24 seven for the kids. And, and we also had our parrot by then our parrot, uh, was, our parrot's 33. I should let you know, we got him two years after we were <laughs> oh married. So, so he predates the children and he knows it. Um, oh and, <laughs> I'm the senior ranking in this house. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So no, it was just, I, I would never say I got out of the Navy because of my parrot, but um, it was just time to, 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 to switch. And I knew it. And I'm so grateful. I followed that instinct mm -hmm. because, 
you know, as I look back over my writing career to date, I haven't always followed my instincts. And that I always get in trouble when I do that. I've tried to write things that are not, they're just mm-hmm. not me. That's not my yeah. voice. And I'm sure my readers will point out which books those were. And that's okay. You know, I always, I'm willing to try anything. And I have a wonderful agent and anything she suggests, I'm always willing to give it a go. Um, and I think that you do get to a point as a writer, you know, you could write anything you had to, but is it really what, where your voice and passion are? Is it really where you need to be? There are other people that can tell the story better. So I'm mm-hmm. going to let them and I'll focus on my story. Yeah. That's I don't know if that made sense. That might be TMI. I don't <laughs> want to glaze your eyes open. <laughs> well, I love that you, you brought that up because I was, my husband and I were both active duty Air Force and we were security forces. Thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Um, (laughs) And it just, I remember after having my third child, my supervisor, like I was really struggling because I was like, okay, I am doing pretty good here. I could easily, I had hit like 14 years and I was like, that's literally like one more enlistment, but I was like struggling. And my supervisor, she's like, girl, when you have kids, like everything, your perspective just changes, you know? And I had those same long nights standing yeah. at the gate, talking to my yeah. coworkers, like, what would, what else would you be doing if you weren't doing this? And it's like, yeah, I don't know, finally pursuing my teaching degree, like, yeah. you know, like all this list of stuff. So I just love that your writing room, because there's a lot of military romances. And I mean, I think spouses, they serve too. So a lot of them are spouses. And I think that's awesome to see. But like the fact that there's so many women that have served in her writing, I just think is the coolest thing because it's a different perspective. It is like the first hand, you know. Right. And no, like I've written former seals in my books, but I don't write the subgenre of seal romance because Mm -hmm. for me, that's not a fantasy because I worked with those guys. Yeah. Just like those, <laughs> none of those guys would read a romance, you know, the, if there was ever a naval intelligence subgenre. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> you know, they'd be like, no, I'm not reading that. You know, um, it's just, I think that's natural. And it is such a joy. I, I don't know, Brie, if you've noticed this, when you find a romance that's about military characters and the author's done their homework. And it's yeah. like, they're, like it's it, there's nothing that pulls me out of the story. That's what, you know. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're like, this would never happen. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm- well, once I had my husband read us, I'll have him, especially if it's military and world war two, I've written a couple world war two stories. Mm-hmm. So I always have him check them out for me for historical accuracy. Cause he's a world war two expert. And he, um, one time he said, he goes, he, instead of just looking at what I asked him to look at, he noticed that I had written that the hero had an erection and he was wearing a khaki uniform, you know, and my husband's like, what Navy is this? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, this is where, you know, it diverges, you know, it diverges and this is fiction. And, you yeah. know, anyway, you guys get it. Um, you also share on your website that while still unpublished, you were awarded the Daphne du Maurier Award for Romantic Suspense in Category Romance Fiction, which is so yeah. inspiring. Can you tell us about that experience? Um, that was amazing. That was in 2002. And at the time, and this, and this is a great, hopefully, inspiration for writers out there who really want to write their own books and they're getting a lot of rejection or they're, they're indie publishing and maybe not getting the sales they want. And it's take, it feels like it's taking forever to build the readership. I didn't sell. 
until four years late until four years later. I started submitting books for sale in 2000. And then I didn't sell until 2006. And I won a contest. I won Harlow Quinn's Everlasting Love Contest, along with Tracy Wolf. We were, uh, nice. and Linda Cardillo, we were the winners. But at any rate, um, so in 2002, I won that. It looked like that story was going to sell maybe to even to intrigue. And then the editor that I had been working with back and forth, rejections or rewrites or whatever, she left the company. I think she was fired actually. So, and you we know, hear and I, about that, that a lot, don't we, Sarah? A lot. And, it, and it was a, you know what? It was a universe yeah. thing. It was, it was divine timing. I wasn't supposed to sell yet. I sold exactly when mm -hmm. I was supposed to. And the reason I sold is because I had made dear friends in the publishing industry. Um, I sent Susan Wiggs a chapter of my book. This would wow. have been in 2005, probably. No, 2004. And she said, I see no reason why this, you know, why this hasn't sold. She was, why don't you send it to Debbie? As in Debbie Maycomer. Oh, my so gosh. I wrote Debbie. You know, just Debbie. We, just Debbie Deb, Deb, No, Debbie. We were in the same chapter in, in the okay. Seattle area. So mm -hmm. I wrote, because we were stationed on Whidbey Island, Washington at the time. Mm -hmm. So I wrote Debbie an email and just said, you know, I know you're busy. Would you have time to look at a chapter? And she's like, yeah, please send it. And I did. And she didn't even, she never replied until she said, oh, my editor loved it. She sent it to her editor. Wow. who is Paula Eichelhoff, who then bought, but Paula still, she didn't buy that story. I still didn't sell until the story was right. And then the book mm -hmm. that sold was A Rendezvous Tree Member, and it sold in 2006, and it came out in 2007. So, you know, for me, it's been a long journey. It continues to be, um, and that's okay. It's just the process. Mm -hmm. but yeah. So, yeah, so winning okay, that contest, you... though, gave me gravitas, I think. So, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and just Daphne Demari, she's one of my favorite I know. authors. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. We love Rebecca. Rebecca. So. I know. It's, well, I had it hanging here. I repainted my office parakeet green, and I guess I didn't hang that award up, but it's here somewhere. <laughs> I could show it to you. <laughs> so, okay, you you get out and you start pursuing the writing. I guess, like, it's the beginning of the attempt that seems so intimidating. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like you've been reading romance and I think there's reading romance and then there's actually trying to write it, especially if you have no real like writing experience, like yep. you didn't go to right. college for English or journalism. Mm -hmm. So take us through that process for you. Um, I think I what I did is I didn't realize I was a romance writer right away. Yeah, I'm a little, I told you guys, I'm slow on the, on the draw at times, um, but I will catch up once I get there. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I started writing by doing short stories and I started writing um, by the, sorry about my dog down there. I could yell at him, but it'll ruin the podcast. Um, but uh, so I started uh, reading and I mean, writing short stories. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing this book, which had everything in it and it never sold because it shouldn't have. It had um, the heroine was a breast cancer survivor. The hero was a recovering alcoholic. They had broken up in college because he cheated on her during a bender. She um, has, you know, they're going to make love. And, and of course, she has one breast because she didn't get reconstruction. There's an angel in the story. Her best friend's a priest. I mean, <laughs> it took place in San Francisco because we were stationed there. 
but as you can see, it was a compilation of everything in my life I'd ever read. And Robert McKee, who wrote Story, which is a great nonfiction resource for writers, he was um, he he was uh, one time interviewed on PBS or something in the '90s, and I saw him, and he said that everything we write is cliche unless you really dig deep, and that's the point. And of, because of course we're a compilation of everything we've read. So, but I thought that was the best story ever written. I thought editors were going to come knocking at my door. I, I had no idea what the journey was going to be like. Um, I thought I would be able to sell a story based on my resume. And unless it's a good story on the page, it's not going to sell. That's just, that's the good news and the bad news of the publishing industry. Mm. So um, it forced me to really learn how to dig deep and to ask for help which I was able to do once I discovered Romance Writers of America. I joined them in 1999. And then that was a network that really helped me um, meet other writers and, uh, and all that, you know. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so I always encourage you. So now I live here in central Pennsylvania because I'm, I'm interested in the mystery genre. And, and of course I write romantic suspense. I've joined Sisters in Crime Mystery Writers of America, which, by the way, I'm listed under the case. So is Stephen King. I just wanted to point that out. Um, <laughs> full, circle. I'm seeing the full circle. Full circle, yeah. Full circle. Yeah, I cried when I got that membership card. I just thought, wow, okay. Um, and just being in, just find other writers. I'm in Penn Writers, which is Pennsylvania Writers. Um, and I love my local chapters of Romance Writers of America. Um, they've, you know, it's the local chapters where I've met my friends, but nationally, I think I've, and there's always more to learn. It's just that I'm kind of shifting my genre focus. So um, I needed more. I needed more in terms of mystery yeah. and suspense and I'm finding it and I'm excited. That is awesome. Um, your two thousand. sorry, Brie, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Your 2007 release, A Rendezvous to Remember, features a leather-bound journal, a heroine on the verge of divorce, <laughs> wartime family secrets, and so much more. Can you take us back to where the idea for that beautiful story came from? Yes. Well, I always wanted to write World War II, and that story came down while we were stationed in Italy, and I started writing it found out we were going to be stationed in Belgium right after. Mm. So we moved to Belgium and in this, we lived in what used to be, you know, a huge home, but they divided it up into single homes, which is still big and multi-layered. It was over 200 years old. There was this part of the house that I thought, oh, this is perfect for my little writing area and office. It was freezing in the winter, hot in the summer. <laughs> it, and I didn't realize it's where people to watch parades go by you know it was like a glass okay. enclosure kind of thing so um i'm writing there and you know i, I researched world war ii more extensively i remember uh putting my head down on the desk one day because i was researching the different um prison camps and i wanted to know which would be most likely that my heroine our hero would it was the hero in that story would have been sent to um, he was a RAF pilot and, uh, it was devastating because I had been taught growing up. And of course, now we're learning all about history and I won't get into politics, but history is only what we've been told. And, and it's, 
BS, right? We need to have the full picture, thank goodness, for writers and novel writers, mm-hmm. too. So I learned that it wasn't just 13 million. I knew that 6 million Jews, 7 million itinerants, gypsies, Catholics, you know, homosexuals were um, slaughtered in those camps. But if they think upwards, it could be as many as 40,000 there. And then, of course, we lived in Russia for two years. So I know that Stalin's responsible for like three times as many deaths, most likely, or at least two. You know, my numbers might not be exactly accurate, Mm -hmm. but the point is, I was devastated. I'm like, what am I doing writing this? And then I remembered you're not writing the whole story. You're just, yeah. <laughs> just write your story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finished that book and I was very excited about it. I was excited that it won the contest. I was excited to get the call in May. Mm-hmm. I was in, uh, in my house in the kitchen in Belgium when Paula Eichelhoff called and told me they were going to buy it. Um, and then I found out this is after the books turned in that where I was writing that story is where where we lived it was a little town called LaRue um, in Belgium and it overlooked the plots the little courtyard which was like um, a park a really nice park in the center of town like oh a God, plaza I'm bracing myself yeah yeah what's coming with this um, park Yes. And they always, you know, they would lay a memorial wreath on, you know, for World War One, World War Two. Well, World War Two is um, the allies came across and liberated everybody. There was a few days delay where that part of Belgium wasn't liberated yet. And during the war, the Vermont, the German army had camped on that um, plaza, on the plot. And the um, the re- the rebels had shot them and killed wow. them. So they came back a, just like, I want to say three days before the liberation and took revenge on uh, some of the underground that had done that. Mm. And, and so I realized that people probably shot these, you know, German soldiers from the office that I wrote, what I had made my office. Um, mm-hmm. It was really wild. I remember thinking, wow, this is bigger than me. Like, how else would I have come up with that? Um, yeah. And I'm not, nobody talked to me. I'm not saying <laughs> nobody sat no, down no. and talked to me. You know, no ghosts. But I, I do think energy, you know, Just continues on and we feel it. I must have definitely picked up on it without mm-hmm. realizing it. And, and that helped me with my writing. Um, yeah, so that's a very special story to me. And I love that I brought it back to Buffalo. Um, I'm actually developing. Writing up a, a little story, a series I'm kind of playing with. We'll see what happens with it set in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always nice to write about what you know and what you've loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I when you're writing a story where there's like that history, that historical part of it, I just can imagine like falling down the rabbit hole of like oh gosh this is so cool and I didn't know this and they didn't teach us and mm-hmm. this us in, in school like how much of it did you you know I guess when you're researching when you were researching for that book what specifically were you looking for for like for the story and like how did you you know I guess you have to decide well like everything can't go in the book yeah no, well, it was easy because I kept the focus on Belgium. And mm-hmm. I, I had the idea in my head that she'd fall in love with an RAF pilot. Mm-hmm. I knew he'd crash in her farm field. Um, so I just matched that to history when that would have been most likely to happen. 
Um, I can tell you with the next book I wrote, which was also for Everlasting Love, but came out as a super romance, What Family Means. And it was in an interracial romance set against the backdrop of the 60s in Western New York and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so fortunate that in Belgium, we also had um, one of the sp- military spouses is a professor at Howard University. So that's a, it's a, a historically black college in the United States. So I went to her and said, I want to make this accurate because he's um, African-American and she's white and I want it to be as realistic as possible. She said, all right. And she gave me a stack of books, like as high I'm showing, <laughs> you know, I'd say at least 18 inches high. And I was like, she was, look, I know you're not going to read all of them, but I want you to just get a general idea of what each of these writers were about, what they meant. And I, I was furious because I realized a whole chunk of history, American history, that I knew nothing about existed. So this was in 2007, right? Yeah. Because we, well, we were in Belgium, 05 to 07. So maybe it was 06 when I was doing the research for that. Um, so then I did, you know, the internet helped. There's more available now. I did not know about the Crystal Beach race riots and the Crystal Beach Ferry. And for listeners, Crystal Beach is a beach in Canada that um, Buffalonians love to go to. There was an amusement park there. I don't know if it's still there, but I grew up going to it. I just love Crystal Beach and um, the Comet roller coaster that you always <laughs> thought you were going to end up in Lake Erie. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know about of racist and you know tragic history because I was a little girl and shielded from that I'm sure um and so you know I so that's I had to focus there again narrow in on the years when would this be give it the most conflict mm-hmm. that same romance now wouldn't I mean nobody it wouldn't there'd be no conflict um with the outside world there still is not that there isn't but it wouldn't be as in-depth I wanted to show the strength of character of both these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I do the research, Brie. And, um, and I try to keep it to the story. Like in the series I'm trying to develop, I'm looking up things that I didn't know about, you know, Buffalo and my hometown again. And I'm like, okay, just how, does it, how is this going to apply? It's just going to honestly, all those hours going down rabbit holes, just and they'll, they'll usually amount to a snippet in the book yeah. because the real story just comes from inside me. It's, um, you know, it's outside of me, but yet my job is to put it on the page. So the characters always come first to me and then the plot I have to, I got to work on the plot. <laughs> <laughs> As I know, Brie and I are both huge historical, historical fiction fans, not necessarily yes. romance, but like I know recently I read, um, oh gosh, The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Now being Canadian, yes. I don't know a big grasp of American history. And mm-hmm. as I'm reading the book, all of a sudden I'm now online looking up the Dust Bowl and four hours <laughs> pass. I'm like, wasn't I reading a book? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what, as a reader, I can just imagine as a writer, what must happen yes. you know, when you're doing that, right? Yes. Kristen, as a side note on Kristen, she's a very generous woman. She came to Whidbey Island when we were stationed there. I invited her. Um, I believe Susan Wiggs came that day. A bunch of ladies came to, and they donated books to the spouses that it was right after 9-11 and, you know, we were going to war and they were just so supportive. I just always remember her doing that. And they don't, she didn't have to do that. She has no idea. And I don't know. I hope she remembers me, but 
you know, she just did it out of the goodness of her heart. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she's fantastic. I, I love the author community mm-hmm. and I, I love the romance community and the women's fiction community because, um, we're all readers. So I should have said the reader community, cause that's, we all start as readers, you know, yeah. bottom line, I'm a reader. If you told me I couldn't write anymore, um, first of all, I still would cause I can't control that, but I also, I'm a compulsive writer really, but also, um, I'm always going to be a reader, you know, that's, mm-hmm. please don't take that away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're part of the incredible group of ROM vets, which yes. I learned about, I was reading a Lindsay McKenna book yes. and I'm like, there was a, like a dear reader message and it talked about the ROM yes. vets. So yes. for any listeners who are unfamiliar with the group, can you share what it is? Are you all still in yes. contact with each other? Yes. I mean, there's so many authors that mm-hmm. are like, I actually like found the, uh, your website has like a link to the website yes. where everybody's listed. And I'm like, there are way more than I thought there yes. were. Yes. Uh, so romance uh, veterans, is Ram Vest, and we have traded pen for sword, I think is what our, um, I'm sorry, sword for pen. Um, we That's our motto. And someone came up with our logo that we have. I might even have it in my desk drawer here. I always had it on my bulletin board. This is what happens when you rearrange things, but <laughs> it's on my site if it's not there. And what happened with Merlene Loveless, long time, um, Harlequin Desire, and she wrote For Everlasting Love, too. Um, category romance author. She's phenomenal. Go find her. She's All her books that um, that she published years ago with Harlequin, she's re-released on her own now. And mm-hmm. she's just a wonderful, wonderful writer. And she w- was a retired Air Force colonel. And she talked to me at a local um, conference in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. It was the... Uh, um, the uh, uh, I'm losing my track of thought the river writers conference and so at any rate she said oh you need to join rom vets and so she got us all together along with lindsay mckenna mm-hmm. and um we've all been tight we meet at conferences we'll meet up very often it's just for like you know the drink in the bar or a cup of coffee but we do meet up and um we are in connection with we have an email loop so we can contact each other and it seems like Merlene's always welcoming aboard another member of our troop carol carson writes category romance mm-hmm. she's uh right so you've heard of her she's a reader award winner amazing lady even though she picked army and went to west point um <laughs> we'll forgive her that so navy um and then our other academy person is Susan Grant, who went to the Air Force Academy, and she wrote Paranormal Romance for a long time. Uh, yeah, there's so many of us. That, I mean, and there's very successful people, too. Sylvia mm-hmm. Day was a member of Rombus, really? still is. But yeah, because mm-hmm. so, she was a cryptologist. She was a crippy. Interesting. That is so yeah. cool. I think in that you, because yeah. you, you were Intel and I, when yeah. I was deployed into Saudi Arabia, I worked like with the Intel, we had one Intel lady on the base. And so like, <laughs> I would go with her to like the embassy and stuff like that. And she's like, honestly, it looks like a very boring job. She's like, a lot of time I'm like sitting in this room, just like listening to stuff, but it was such an important job. So right. like, did you, as like 18 year old you what inspired that decision 
mm -hmm. to go that route? Um, well, I went to the Naval Academy. So what inspired my decision to do that, I always wanted to be in the military and serve. That's always been part of my thing. But my guidance counselor pulled me aside and said, you know, um, you, you should think about the Academy or ROTC rather than enlisting. And I, I really didn't know the difference, but then I did research and found out I dated a guy in high school who went to West Point. So I got to see West Point and I loved it, but I didn't think I'd dig the army. And back then, no internet, I received the catalog in the mail for the Naval Academy, and I believed it. I believed everything it said. It said it, <laughs> you'd be treated equally because you were a woman. You know, I believed <laughs> everything, and the pictures looked so pretty. Um, so I went, and uh, it took me an extra year to get in there. Story of my life. I, I'm telling you, it's slow. It's the turtle again. The, the turtle. turtle. <laughs> it, it, took, it took me an extra year because back then there was a quota system. And Jack Kemp was my congressman in Western New York. And he had too many women at the academy that he'd already appointed. So mm -hmm. I had to wait. But I, the Naval Academy Foundation, it's a private thing, gave me a scholarship for $1,000 that I applied to SUNY at Buffalo and I also had a New York State Region scholarship, which helped pay for the books. And I went to, I went to school there for a year, living at home and working at Top Supermarket um, until I got into the academy. And um, and then I had to do the full four years. Mm -hmm. While I was there, I didn't think I would get intelligence because normally there were only one or two billets for the women, and it went to the top academic ones. And you heard about me perhaps reading romance novels romance instead novels. of studying electrical <laughs> engineering. So um, I thought, oh, I'll never get it. And I was just going to go, it's called general unrestricted line. My company officer pulled me in and said, You're, it'd be a waste for you to do that. I want you to do something, you know, more challenging. And I, a surface warfare officer really interested me driving ships. Um, but I was engaged to my husband. I knew we were getting married. I wanted something that would make the co-location easier. And mm -hmm. if I'm on a ship and he's in an aircraft squadron, it, that wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and my company officer asked me that question. What would you do if you could do anything? I said, I'd do intelligence. Like, I, I want to do that. And he said, well, then do it. I'm like, but there aren't enough Phillips. He goes, there will be. And there were. There were five that year. I got number three. So I'm so you know, wow, I'm excited. You know, I was really excited. And I it was luck. It was divine timing and luck because um and that's how I picked it. And I love doing intelligence. It it was it was great. It really served me well. And then of course, um, you know, my time in the Navy has served me well because my husband made it a career. So it was good that I could hopefully be the supportive spouse that knew that he wasn't not calling me because mm -hmm. he was in a bar somewhere, but because he was working, you know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and, and that did happen. And, you know, we went through a lot together, you know, nine 11, we lost really dear friends. And my husband was deployed on nine 11 and I was on Whidbey Island with two little kids. And, um, you know, thank goodness for what I had learned and what he learned. And, and you know, I always think you mentioned intelligence. We lost, the squadron's intelligence officer for my husband's squadron had just left Whidbey wow. Island and went to the Pentagon to work. And he, and he died mm. there that day. Young guy, Jonas Panic. I always think of him. He was just an amazing man, had a big career in front of him, but so yeah, boring job at his desk and he died, you know? 
on mm-hmm. 9-11 because he was at his desk in the Pentagon yeah. doing his duty. So, yeah. Um, I yeah. always think of that day like it's I was doing one of my most recent classes and it was talking about how as time changes, you kind of forget certain like elements to like, what was I doing that day? And like how to, like New Yorkers on 9-11, how every year the, their story changes just a little bit. Like while I was walking yeah. down the street and then I, but for the most part, like most of us remember what we were doing. And I'm like, I remember I was in high school and I remember the class yeah. and I remember the teacher, but I was, I was in Memphis, Tennessee in high school. And so it was like, well, I'm in Tennessee, not a big deal. Right. And then I joined the air force and my job as a cop, it was like that day changed everything for our group there was no more like just letting people come onto the installation it's like id checks and stuff like that so it's like as i've gotten older i'm like wow like i remember how small my existence felt at that time but how that day changed Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. everything yeah and you know to show my age um the dinosaur thing so i was at the naval academy in the 80s with one of the first groups of women and to go through and graduate. And, um, and I studied, um, I did a report on terrorism back in the early eighties and, you know, we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when, and to, to our shores, it already had hit everywhere else. So yeah, just, um, I'm just grateful to be here. And the best way we honor those who served and who, who gave their lives is to keep serving. And for me, like for a while I struggled because I thought, am I, is it okay that I'm doing a passion that I love writing? But it is because mm-hmm. I'm uplifting, hopefully when people read and when I do portray military characters, I'm doing it in as accurate as I can. They do some fictional things they would never do in real life. Of course, <laughs> it's fiction. You know, like in my Silver Valley PD series, The Trail Hikers, you know, the government mm-hmm. shadow agency. No, that doesn't exist in real life. But, <laughs> but for my book, purposes it does and I love it because it's a marine a retired marine general and she's in charge of it and I love that like I love that part of that series that's what I love from like the books that I've read so far from the rom vets like my first was the Lindsay McKenna I was like oh this is an all-female like squadron of women that got out of the military and it's like female colonels and stuff I was like right you know as a as a cop like I had one woman commander my entire career and I loved her but know. It, you know you don't see yeah. that that often mm-hmm. yeah I never had a woman commander Mm-mm. and for yeah. me it's super interesting because of course it's a lot different for us the military we're peacekeepers <laughs> up here right like right. <laughs> over with like Timbit donuts and coffee and be like just get along everybody just get along. oh no 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on that because I saw the North Pole in a Canadian aircraft during oh, an really? exercise up there is all I'll say. That's all I can say. We were out of wow. Cooley, Greenland. So I've worked intimately, not maybe that's the wrong word with romance readers, but <laughs> I've, I've worked closely with Canadians. And then some of our dearest friends, when my husband was the naval attaché uh, to Russia, mm-hmm. they're Canadian. And we can't yeah. wait for the restrictions to go away so we can each other you know yeah it's true it's true yeah i mean we don't my family is not active my grandfather served in world war ii which was like typical mm. for the area he grew up everybody in town would enlist and he yeah. served in barbados he was a plane mechanic wow so we used to wow. joke with him did you see much fighting in barbados <laughs> he would 
say yeah, like <laughs> he was busy though he was busy yeah but you know like i'm still proud of that and i think about that you know on because up here we have remembrance day which is on november 11th and you know and and yeah. i always think about him because we have his picture up at the house in his in his uniform so yeah <laughs> so i think Aww. everybody who has served canadian american doesn't matter <laughs> you got it i agree um uh as okay you are our first chat with an author from harlequin's romantic suspense series for listeners yes. who may be new to category romance or have yet to read anything from the series how would you describe it to them because we did say just beforehand it is mm -hmm. a bit different it's, though there are some differences between this and intrigue yes intrigue is more police procedural and it's um and they're shorter stories and so mm -hmm. i'd say they're more intense um romantic suspense to me is sandra brown light if i could say that like i love, <laughs> I love sandra that. brown. that's great um, <laughs> and so that's what they are and so and we can have more fictional situations mm -hmm. more of a saga kind of thing like they we do with the coltons um i love it for like the silver valley pd because of its flexibility and because they're bigger books mm -hmm. i've been able to have like two mini you know, two story arcs within my Silver Valley PD series so far. The first one was, you know, about the, um, in the very first book, female ministers were being stalked and killed, you know, in town. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into a human trafficking thing. And then I got it into more into the Russian mob mm -hmm. with these last, uh, the last books I've written for it. So, um, it just allows you to have more room. And I think as a reader, it's, they're really entertaining because they're also set, they're super sexy. They can be super sexy. Some of them aren't. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, even the books I write, some of them are like, some of them, I'm like, wow, these characters are, oof, oof, they're a little <laughs> hotter than me. But then some of them are, I realize they're, they're more quiet. You know, there, mm -hmm. it's more of an emotional intensity to the sexual attraction and tension. Um, and the same with the suspense plot. Sometimes um, my books, I tend to have a lot of action because I like mm -hmm. it. I love writing action scenes. But this the Stockton Silver Valley, the book that's about to come out, when I looked it over again before my editor, who is the wonderful Carly Silver, she does such an amazing job with me because she doesn't let me slide. If something needs to be worked on, she'll tell me and because we want to bring the best story to you. And um I, I said, Carly, I'm worried. I, I don't have a lot of action here. It's more psychological. And she loved it. She thought it was great. So again, flexibility within the mm -hmm. line. Um, they, they're romance focused stories yep. with a suspense element. So they're romance first. They came out of silhouette intimate moments, mm -hmm. which is the line Suze, uh, Suzanne Brockman wrote for yes. for years. Um, that's what Tess Gerritsen wrote for, I believe, unless Tess wrote for Intrigue. But I don't, no. I don't think so. I think, I think right. it was intimate moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's always, that's always been my goal was, you know, I thought category is a wonderful place to learn to write these books and to learn to write a solid romance and suspense driven. And honestly, it's one of the few places in the market where I can write these, these stories. Um, is you, I, I do have a cozy series coming out in 2022, my first, and I'm, I'm thinking of developing another series. And um, so I'll have two cozy series and I love them, but they're not going to have the heat levels that yeah. these books have. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that romantic suspense has given me, 
it allows me to have all the elements of a cozy, but with more intense love scenes. It's all yeah. more intense uh, romance in it because I, I have, you know, they're community driven. You have a community. You can have multiple characters. You can even have a subplot because there's room for that. Again, Sandra Brown Light. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Did I that answer heard... it? Do you think? And there's four of them available a month, I should yes. say. Yeah. 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 I have heard people in the romance community say they don't read romantic suspense because if they want suspense they'll go pick up a thriller or they'll go pick up Mm -hmm. a mystery and I'm like well you're like discount like this is a whole subgenre here that's doing a different type of work from those genres like what is a myth do you as a writer of these books is there something that people are like missing like what's the misconception about romantic suspense. I see all the time mm-hmm. that it's the least read subgenres for some readers. I mean, for me, for the longest, it, it definitely was. Um, right. And now that I, I found what there's, even in romantic suspense, like I love paranormal. There are writers that write perfect romantic suspense with a little bit of paranormal. And I think you just have to mm-hmm. find what works. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So like, what's what do you think it is? What's the misconception about romantic suspense? I think it's it for some people they might think it's not enough of either one of those. Yeah. They want more they want all romance mm-hmm. or they want the all suspense. And to be frank, there's there's not a lot of authors who can pull off both, right? I, that's what I think in my reading because I look for that and many times something that might be labeled romantic suspense I don't know, but then pick up Christina Dodd. Wow, she's got it down. Christina Dodd knows how to write romantic mm-hmm. suspense. And, you know, these are, so I think it's just a matter of finding the right writer, the yes. right book, the right story, and to stay with that um, line. And I just, uh, I just finished what's considered just a thriller. It's, um, I, of course, brought I brought my Oasis with me. And I do want to say I support um, indie bookstores and print as much as I possibly can on my website, my local indie beloved to me, Cupboard Maker Books owned by Michelle Herring. Um, she, she keeps all my print books that are available in stock. So I, I can go sign that. them at any time. Yeah, I can go sign. They can be signed and sent to you. They can be personalized, all that. I do all my signings. Every book that comes out, I do a signing. Because a lot of indie bookstores um, don't carry romance at all. Yeah, or well, category. Well, yeah. So what's really important is to find a genre-friendly bookstore. If they're genre-friendly, they're going to be romance-friendly because let's face it, it's 54% of their market. Yeah. Uh, not to get cruel with numbers, guys, but I'm going <laughs> to. Um, we like numbers so, here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Michelle's bookstore is um, started out as a used bookstore, and now she has a new bookstore within the used bookstore. So she'll carry, and she's always carried local authors, new and all that. Um, but that's like if I need to research a new subgenre I'm thinking of writing in, I go to her and I come home with a stack of books to read. Because <laughs> um, I like to know the history and I like to see how something evolved. Okay, so I just read Loris Ann White beneath devil's bridge Ooh. and it is it's definitely suspense it's grittier than i i would than i write and it's it was a little edgy for me with some of the descriptions of things i guess yeah. the trigger warning would be um child sexual abuse so um child porn uh but 
wow like she she because she came out of harlequin romantic suspense she um captures the romance and sexual tension in there between characters as appropriate and she does it better than anybody because mm -hmm. she can do it right but she's chosen to focus more on the thriller aspect and i mean that's a book you can't put i i you know challenge anybody to put that down but it, again it's not romantic suspense it is more just hard-boiled mm -hmm. thriller um I get really sad when I read a book and I read the back cover copy and it's promising me that it's going to be romantic suspense and it's not. It's romance with some, you know, there might be some yeah. elements of suspense in it. It's not a true yeah. romantic suspense. To me, and for the Harlequin romantic suspense line, if it's a true romantic suspense, the romance cannot exist separate of that suspense. They're intertwined. You can't separate it out. You can't say, oh, well, they're going to get together even if this didn't happen. No, they wouldn't be getting together if the circumstances weren't forcing them to be together. And the stakes okay. have to be super high. The yep. stakes, you know, for me, I like to make them life and death. Mm -hmm. But a really good writer could make it more nuanced. It could be, you could focus more on a psychological, mental health aspect. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot you can do with true romantic suspense um i feel like stephen king does it he did i in his own way and mr mercedes i saw that because you see the romances blossoming between different characters and but you don't know if those are those characters going to make it to the mm -hmm. end of the story so to me that's romantic suspense yeah well, that makes a lot of sense i love it yeah. i love that yeah. thank you for breaking that down i was um, like light bulb went off i was like oh all the really good ones that i have read that is what has happened yes um yeah you know there's the suspense element really is like what brings them together i guess right like yes if they have they just they happen so organically. Like one couldn't happen without the other. That makes Correct. so much yeah. sense. Well, think of like Janet Ivanovich, also a former category writer, I believe. She, um, you know, Ranger and Stephanie Plum. That's a romantic suspense. It's mm -hmm. hilarious, you know. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, yes, but especially the early books is what I would, if I was an upcoming writer, you know, and trying to learn, I'd study the early books to, to learn how she intertwined those. So Stockton Silver Valley is your yes. next release that comes out in October. Yay. Can you tell yes. us about the book and what we can expect? Yes. Yeah, so this is the story of the mob wife who turned in her husband, who was, he wasn't, he wasn't the head of the mob, but she turned him in and um, he, he was the local area guy. And I, I was actually inspired by a local story in my area where you guys aren't going to believe this because nothing happens around where I live, but this <laughs> happened. The wife disappeared. Every And when I interviewed um, the local former police chief to, I just wanted to know about the area and I was trying to figure out more things about procedural because I probably originally was trying to sell the intrigue if I know me. Yeah. And then it went to romantic suspense, which is where I belong. Um, he said to me, I know who killed his wife but I can't talk about it. So then the article came out in the paper recently. They found her remains in the guy's fireplace. Oh, you know, DNA God. evidence. Wow. Technology, man. The shout right? out to technology. <laughs> yes. So, so I thought, so 
so I pictured like where their house was. And, and so then that's how I developed the story. And Kit was an abused, um, you know, domestically abused woman who would come into the local yarn shop, which features in Silver Valley, because I am a yarn junkie. And, you know, I've been asked, why don't you write like a series set in a yarn shop? Because that's been done, you know, but I can include yarn mm-hmm. shops in my series. Yeah. Um, and maybe put patterns in my books. Maybe I should think about that. Mm-hmm. But um and there is a pattern in one of my, um, <laughs> yes, there, there is, um, there is a uh, pattern in one of my super romances that um, a woman donated, which was so nice. And it's escaping me which romance it was that it was in, but um, it was in the Whidbey Island series. So I'm past 30 books now, and now I get it. Well, I used to go, how could authors forget? Because 30 <laughs> books later, you're like, that was a long time ago. Those yep. characters are old friends mm-hmm. that I want. I need to have a cup of coffee with and catch yeah. up on. Yep. Um, so this is the book, though, that I said to my editor, I think it's more psychological, and, and it is. Mm-hmm. because she's not sure who would be following her and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets involved with a man who is working, of course, for the trail hikers, who she does work for because she helped them bring down um, her husband at the time. And so this book wraps up the this current Russian mob story arc. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. are there going to be more books in this series or? Well, there can be. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> it's open. She didn't, she didn't say okay. it's over. It's, it's she open. did not say it's, it's over. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, yeah. Your most recent release prior to Stockton Silver Valley was Colton Bullseye, which I read and I loved, um, yeah. which was part of the Coltons of Grave Gulch series. Fantastic story yeah. with a lot of action and incredible romance. As a writer of romantic suspense, how do you balance these two very important elements to the story without overshadowing one or the other? Yeah. Um, well, what I do, again, I'm a character-driven writer, so it's got to be what's going on between the characters. And how these books work with the Colton series um, is that Harlequin, the publisher, will come to 12 authors, if it's a 12-book series, for example, and ask each one, would you like to, we'd love to have you write for this series. It's an invite only. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody's submitting proposals to compete for anything. Okay. So, and I always dreamed of writing for uh, the series within the series. Like, mm-hmm. this is like a dream come true that this has happened for me. So um, they come and they give you the book you're going to write. You don't get to pick which one. And, um, and it's, like 65 to 80 pages is we call it the story Bible. Mm -hmm. And that, and within that, each of the 12 books are described hero and heroines with pictures. And they give us the overall, you know, background of this particular branch of the Colton's. The Colton's DNA stretches far (laughs) (laughs) through. They seem to be a a, a longevity there. That's right. Is it 30 or 40 years? Yeah, it's a long time. It's 20. Um, it was 20, 20 years in 20. May. Oh, how exciting. I'm excited to be part of that. So, so 20 years. And, um, and so I'll, you know, I'll look at the pictures that they gave me for my characters. I'll look at the background. I will often argue when it's a military, if I get characters myself that are military background, I never, I rarely agree with what was written because that's me and because I served. Yes. Right. And, and there hasn't been an editor who wrote that yet, who, served in the military and when there is then that would be different and Mm -hmm. I always will go back and forth and say no this Mm -hmm. is not how this works um and in the one year um 
two times before that, I wrote the Colton 911. He was an MP. And so I had to, I wanted to tweak some of those things. And she was a JAG. And uh, I tweaked some of those things so they'd be more accurate. Mm -hmm. But we all work together. So we each work on our individual book. But but we know, like I know, I'm writing a book for a Colton 2022 series right now. And so, and that's due August 1st. I'm not stressed. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost there with it. So I'm grateful. But I know what needs to be woven in from the previous book. And I know what I need to have woven in for that next book so that they're cohesive. But the rest of the story is mine. Okay. Yeah. My summary is maybe four pages each. So you could see, you know, the authors in this do a lot. They work hard mm-hmm. to really make these books full. But give, and it, I think as readers, we love the Coltons because I can read the whole series and I know, you know, it's something that will hold my interest mm-hmm. for the year. It's something to keep going back to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also lets me read my favorite authors and really get excited about their books. And yep. so I think that's one of the big appeals in the Colton, which the Coltons are so popular. They are now two of four of the books that come out yes. a month from Harlequin Romantic. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I work mm-hmm. with um, the Read Bliss, formerly Read Bliss, it'll now be under the Harlequin YouTube yeah. channel. And I did a video on the Coltons. That's how I knew it was 20 years because they wanted. And they said, well, we know we'd come to you for category. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I literally went <laughs> yeah. to my bookshelves and pulled 20 Colton books that I had physically. Um, but it's interesting wow. talking to you because <clears throat> we've talked to a lot of um, a number of uh, special edition authors who write like the fortunes of Texas or the Montana yes. Mavericks. And it's yes. hearing the same thing that you guys get this Bible. Here's your characters. Yes. And was it yes. Michelle major? I think she said, she remembered yes. calling somebody and saying, would your character wear this color? Oh, lipstick? Like, <laughs> you know, just to get it the continuity. <laughs> yeah. And I love Yes. That. I think that's great. Yeah. And now in romantic suspense is, the, the question might is more probably with setting to make yeah. sure we match because we're all writing so much action and it's Mess. life or death. Yes. Whereas I could see, yeah, for, um, and I tried to sell the special edition too. I have tried to sell the everything for Harlequin <laughs> um, because we all do. And, and, and frankly, I'm always trying to expand my readership, mm-hmm. but you know, I really think we end up where we're meant to be. Because look at Michelle, she's got her um, HQM books, I you know. know, that are doing so well. Mm-hmm. And, and we and Terry Wilson, another wonderful author, yeah. is there. And Carol Carson, the West Point Carol. grad. Boy, I'm giving mm-hmm. the Army too much credit, and they're so many, so many. <laughs> Army people who served in the Army are like army is it like they don't believe in anything else and i'm just like i know who transports you guys to where you need to go though (laughs) usually another branch (laughs) so you have written a number of books in the various colton series what is it like writing those books like being part of like these series that have been running for so long and i mean now you kind of cleared it up for us like it sounds like y'all do work really closely mm-hmm. and you are sometimes like working at the same time. It's not necessarily like one books come out and you have to read it to prepare for yours or anything oh, like no. that. So we don't have time. We don't have time yeah. for that. And we don't read each other's manuscripts. I mean, in my case, I've never read someone else's manuscript. There's no time yeah, because you are under the gun. You've got to get it done. Um, and I'm grateful because I am more, you know, I'm a character driven writer. So plot is not the first thing I'm going to write down. Mm-hmm. And so oh. to have that plot there is 
wonderful for me. It's a <laughs> gift because I go down, I go down rabbit holes, and um, one of them was because this. Well, I guess I can't talk about it yet, but where it set, I was researching um, a section of geography because mm -hmm. I had never done a particular thing. I had my couple doing for a date, which of course turned into a life-threatening, harrowing kind of thing because otherwise, it's not Harlequin romantic suspense. Right, and um, and so. You know, thank goodness I had the plot to go. It's like, okay, Jerry, you got to wrap this up. I know my editor's going to say, you need to cut like half of this. And hopefully <laughs> I will cut half of it in my own revisions before I do it. But again, it was, we were talking earlier about the research. I'm like, but I learned so much and I know how to do this. And that. Yeah. I think I can tell you, I can tell you it's a white water rafting scene. Okay? Oh, awesome. So, so yes. I, and then I, and I try to get my husband or my grown son to go with me. Um, I would have gotten my daughter, but she's in nursing school. But I'm like, will someone go with me? Whitewater rafting. We can go. We could drive to West Virginia mm -hmm. or even here, you know, Pennsylvania. I'm in Pennsylvania. We could go to Western Pennsylvania. They're, they just looked at me like, okay, you'll be over this. You're just, it's just one of her research <laughs> things. Just let her go. I, I can be obsessive. I think most writers are. Mom's doing her research so thing again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I still, I want to do it. And I want to zip line. I hope the next I time I talk to you, I want to zip line too. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? It does. Okay. So explain to me this. You're a character person. You sit down yeah. to write a new book. What are you, are you like making descriptions of them? Like, are you listening to them? Like, okay, where are you? Like, where are we meeting you? How are you guys coming What do together? you want to do? Yeah. 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 Like, how does that go? Would, and then yeah. you what, build the plot around it? I'm right. such a so nerd for like gonna, how you guys yeah. write these books. I'm sorry. Well, I can tell you I'm coming up with a new series now, right? And I'm I'm writing this doesn't come out till October, right? Is this when does this come out in September? October. Late July, early September. No, August. Oh. We moved a lot yeah. of stuff. Oh, okay. We're moving stuff up. Okay. So it'll We're be a lot sooner. of stuff. Okay, great. Okay, good. Well, I'll, I can talk. I mean, there's this isn't even my agent doesn't even have this yet. So I'll just tell you the process I'm going through. The character came to me mm -hmm. okay. and I know I want to write her, right? So she's going to fit best in a mystery, you know, suspense kind of thing. All mm -hmm. right. So we're going to do this. Um, I know some of her background. So I start writing that. I start with a legal pad. I keep wanting to go and get things to show you because I'm so used to Zooming all year. <laughs> so podcast <laughs> is wonderful. So, so I'll pull out a legal pad. And for some reason, a legal pad with a pencil. Carol Carson writes with pencils too. She's you know, we're like, so I'll just start, you know, writing down things quickly, just let my brain do it. Um, and then I'm a big fan of Lavenger. They're an online stationery store, office supply store. So, and, but you can get the same kind of supplies almost anywhere, like at Staples. I'm not sure what's in Canada, but you know, those circular um, discs that hold the papers together. Yeah. So I get all different yep. colors and stuff like that, whatever. And I love fountain pens. So then I'll start, you know, writing other stuff. Okay, I know they're going to do this. What's this? What's this? What's this? So now I get an overview of the setting of a series because I think in series now, I don't think in a single book as much. Um, I have thought in a single book, like I've got some, I've got two different women's fiction books that just haven't gotten past my agent because I need to do more work on them. Or maybe okay. they're just, maybe those books need to be in a different series I haven't even thought of yet. So, um, so the series comes from like, I have the setting, I have the character and I know already, I know her parents, I know her siblings, I know everybody in the town, I know the town. I usually pick the town, whether it's fictional or based on something real. Um, for the cozy series that's coming out next year, it's 
um, called Stonebridge, um, Pennsylvania. I wanted to call it Stoner Bridge because the name Stoner has significance to me personally and professionally, but um, everyone said, no, it sounds like, you know, the Grateful Dead lives So, and, <laughs> and, I love I said, it. and that's great, but that's not the genre I write in. Okay. <laughs> Whatever genre that is. <laughs> and trust me, there are going to be CBD romances there on already. I mean, there, yeah. there's a subgenre for everything in romance. That's why I love our genre. But so at any rate, um, so I know the town, I can picture it in my head and I always base things on real things. So Stonebridge is really based on where I live and the little town I, you know, do things in and where my husband works in a coffee shop. So there, of course there's a coffee shop. There's mm -hmm. a yarn shop because my town doesn't have the yarn shop, but locally does that kind of thing. Um, so then I have to come up with the plot mm -hmm. and and they come. I So then that's where I focus in on that first book. Mm -hmm. The first book is what sells the series. They may or may not, the publisher that you're selling to may or may not buy. They might just want to buy one book and see mm -hmm. before they buy more or they'll buy two or three. So the cozy one I sold to Thule Publishing, um, they bought all three, which oh, I'm nice. excited about. Congrats. And the reason it's not coming out until next November is they, it's a Christmas one. It's the working title is the Santa Stabbing. Um, oh gosh! So then, yeah. So the yeah, the, well, it was in Publishers Weekly, so I could say it. The victims found with a Russian wooden Santa statue that broken half and stabbed through her heart. That's how she found. So yeah, so nice, cozy, right? Maybe I'm pushing the boundaries of cozy there, but um. <laughs> make it your own. I wouldn't. I wouldn't that's expect right. less at this point. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's how it happens. So I have to focus on the first book. And I usually, for some reason, that dead body, I know the dead body, I see it there. But like when I started out with this cozy, I thought the dead body was going to be like a senior in high school, like a prom queen person. That's not very cozy. And that's that I don't want to go that dark. I, oh, I'm murdering someone, but that's dark. To murder. So, yeah. Um, so, so it's a middle-aged woman who gets murdered instead. And, um, and, and she has reasons for lots of people to hate her, of course, because mm -hmm. then we can have many suspects. So, yeah, so that's, I don't know if that's helping you, but my characters inform my plot. It's just, okay. I, yeah. And I sit down and I literally write out the plot line, um, which really comes from Christopher Vogler's work, um, a writer's journey and it's about the hero's journey and it's all based on Jungian philosophy but basically there's the ordinary world there's the call to action and romancing the stone is the perfect thing mm -hmm. to look at for this there's Joan Wilder she's writing a romance novel she gets she literally gets a call to action her sister's been kidnapped then all these changes in plans mm -hmm. she thinks she's just flying down there all these different things happen the big black moment mm -hmm. she and Jack will never see each other again but then, of course, I mean, the, yeah. so, but that's character driven, too. And I don't know if you guys, um, if you watch the Kaminsky method, but Michael Douglas is in that and he's the lead. But his ex-wife happens to be played by Kathleen Turner. So it is so cool. So it's like it's their nod to romancing the stone. It's oh, really neat. It. Yeah, their vignettes. Um, are good they both changed a lot but <laughs> but but i but i love it but their spirits are amazing and they both look um, fantastic so it was yeah i like watching them but yeah so can you yeah. chat a little bit 
about, I mean, you've talked a little bit about the cozy mystery series you're working on, but like, we love to see like our favorite romance authors starting to do new things. We're seeing more romance authors writing more women's fiction. We're Mm -hmm. seeing more romance authors, especially romantic suspense, which it makes sense getting into the cozy mysteries, which Sarah and I love cozy mysteries. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's an underrated genre. Oh, for Um, sure. I agree. But they are literally, if you go to um, Barnes and Noble, they are, there are so many to choose from. So what inspired that, that, that choice of like wanting to branch out and do something different? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'd like to have a bigger readership and have my work reach more people. Mm-hmm. And um, I love, like I said, I love to write community. And this community came to me and I knew who was going to be in it. Um, and I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing it. And the protagonist, the heroine, who's an amateur sleuth, has just come back home because she's retired. She's a retired Navy pilot um, <laughs> after 20 years. So I've got a military gal and they're opening up a curio shop basically. And, but then of course there's going to be a lot of dead bodies in Stonebridge, Pennsylvania (laughs) to have the series. Sarah and Um, I are going to be reading it thinking it's really Stoner Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and um, the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, as I, my favorite favorite author that I've fallen in love with over the last two years and read everything is Louise Penny. And Louise Penny, Canadian author, writes the Three Pines Inspector Gamache series. Yes. And I'm and as I read her work, I kept thinking, this is what I want to write. This is yeah. the kind of book I want to write. What is this? And you know, so of course, like everybody, I look on Amazon to see what and she's listed under cozy, which I don't put her as cozy, but yeah. um but yeah. So that's me. So I'm cozy with an edge, I'd have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. that, that definition is the amateur sleuth, right? Yeah. It's not a police exactly. procedural. Right. Whereas hers, because it's Inspector Gamache, they are more police procedural, but they're not even that. I mean, yeah. her books are just amazing. She's a brilliant writer and I, I hope mm-hmm. to meet her someday. She's just incredible. <laughs> but um, Yeah. So that's what happened there. And I've always wanted to write more mainstream. It's just, you know, it's hard. It's a hard thing to try to break into, Um, you know, and all there's so much available. Do I want to go indie? Do I want, and I don't want to go hundred percent indie because I, um, I want to devote as much time as I can to the writing enough already goes to social media, which I enjoy too. Mm -hmm. My master's is an information system. So when it comes to systems and the apps and, and I'm not letting myself get on TikTok because it'll, uh, that'll be it. Those will be chapters a day won't get written. I can imagine for for writers, like it feels like as somebody that watches y'all are doing a lot like Instagram, Twitter presence. I mean, and we fill it as bloggers, but I mean, you're the ones writing the books and that now there's TikTok and TikTok is a game changer. Like it is really books that haven't been on the bestsellers list in years are now on there because like some kid made a 15 second TikTok video. So I just, I'm like, it can be, it, it looks to me like it could be really overwhelming the constant presence that you all could feel potentially that you have to put out there and it's like yeah right you know at what point is it just like I wrote my books 
I might pop into Twitter, post something on Instagram, and that's it. You know, like yeah. I well, I I pop into Twitter just because I'll go down a rabbit hole there, especially in the U.S. when it's election time. I'll go down a really, but <laughs> and it's and it's not good because I will disenfranchise half of my readers with whatever I publish. Yeah, and yeah. it's like so I can't. I don't want to touch that. Um, I will touch it though if I see. Here I go. If I think it inter, you know, if it's something that well. We'll just leave it because I won't say I was a political science major. So the blessing with that is I want to hear both sides. I want to hear you and why you think the way you do. Mm-hmm. But then I'm sorry. I, I'm a woman who served in the military. I'm not going to listen to no BS anymore. So no. I, you know, and that's not good. That's not good. My readers don't, they don't want to know that they, and I don't think they do. I think readers um, love your writing and your mm-hmm. story and I think we're all we all have that same heart regardless of where our other you know thoughts yeah. and points of view are um that's what makes us each individuals and human um uh, but yeah so um and there are some yeah, spaces online where you have to just everybody you have to be careful with yes. what you say anything can be misconstrued and it's like hold on like mm-hmm. what about me makes you think that like that would be my intention or what I was saying. Like I only get so many characters here. (laughs) Exactly. And yeah. And so I've Mm -hmm. just learned, you know, I'm learning more as I go along. There's, you know, things I I did early in my career, I wouldn't do now. Um, But I mean, I've written everything I've written to the best of my ability. I've always researched it. Um, That's all I can do. And if I make a mistake, I can atone for it. I could ask, my publisher like many authors have to change things or mm-hmm. um you know that kind of thing but at the same time I think it's important for us to see what maybe mistakes we made so that we don't make them again like no. don't just because when you do the when you do the uh correction I almost said something oh, I would have changed your podcast to a whole new thing um <laughs> when you when you try to change it then then there's no reference point for people in the future to see, oh yeah, it was bad. Things yeah. did need to change, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sarah wants yeah. to talk about knitting. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I think when you found me on Instagram, I posted a picture of your book that I was reading along with what I was knitting and you were like, oh, you knit. And it's <laughs> so exciting to find other knitters. So do tell us, What's your, yeah, like, where did you, you, when did you learn to knit? What are your favorite things to knit? All the things. Are you doing two at a time? I'm doing, so for those listening, I'm doing two at a time, <sighs> cut down socks. I, first I learned to do two at a time toe up okay. in a workshop by Ann Weaver, who's yep. on Instagram and she, Weaver Knits, I think it is. Um, in Pennsylvania here, we have this local, it's called Knitter's Day Out. And they bring in like really famous knitting design designers and teachers every year of course it was virtual last year and they're not having it this year next year it'll be in person again um i've been to maryland sheep and wool festival oh i love maryland yes i've never been to rhinebeck you gotta come to rhinebeck next year no i do 2022 (laughs) all right all right we're gonna meet up let's do the romance writers um, romance readers Meet up at Rhinebeck 2022. Okay, I'm, I'm writing that down. Okay? We're going to drag Bonnie along. She can just carry her purchases. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sipping coffee. That'll be awesome. Oh, my God. Um, so so anyway, um, I started knitting. It was in 2001. Okay. My husband was deployed. Mm-hmm. It was right before 9-11. 
And I always thought, well, I'll learn to knit because my grandma had taught me to crochet, but I was never like a successful crochet. I could do something that didn't require gauge, like a blanket or whatever, <laughs> but I never got the gauge thing. So um, here we are, which is stitches per inch in size. So I would have these gargantuan things. Again, fine for a blanket, not so great for a camisole top or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I went to a yarn store on Whidbey Island and she taught me to knit and the lady was amazing. It ended up being my break from my husband at the time was the executive officer and then the commanding officer of a squadron. And because of that, it's almost like they were the mayor of the town and everybody recognizes you out in town. So it was my place to go into that little yarn shop, be at the, at the, table in the back and most of the spouses there are a lot of them their husbands had served like in Vietnam you know they were mm -hmm. retired they were the best women to lean on because I remember walking in there right after 9-11 saying I'm so angry like what's my problem I want to tell people off they said it's fear mm -hmm. you're scared your husband's deployed and this is happening mm -hmm. who else would have told me that so honestly and compassionately mm -hmm. so Unlike other people's knitting story where they knitted, I guess, scarves for a while, she made me go home. She said, pearl and knit. She said, there's only four stitches in knitting, cast on, cast off, pearl and knit. Everything else is a combination. And I remember thinking, you're crazy, but okay. So I would knit and pearl. She said, just 10 minutes a day, which of course turns into longer because it's so soothing to do it. Um, and she says, all right, let's do a sweater. And she made me knit a sweater for my first project for my kid. My kids were little, thank okay. goodness. So, and it was with a Canadian yarn, patent yarn, Patons, it yep. was an acrylic, yep. And I did, I still have those two first sweaters that I Aww. did a, a dark, a forest green v-neck pullover for my son and a purple, um, I think it was a, more of a garter stitch mm -hmm. raglan for my mm -hmm. daughter. And so, and then I took a sock class from her with cascade fixation yarn, which is stretchy. Yep. That is not the way to learn to knit socks, but <laughs> I learned how to knit socks on magic loop. Yep. Um, never was happy with the products I was getting. So I would, I've used all different things, but anyway, I knit everything and anything that I can. I'm a process knitter, as you would say in Canada, I'm a process knitter because I love the process. If it's not perfect, I don't care. These, yes. these socks are for a dear friend. Her birthday's, um, coming up in a week or two love and that. she's knit me two pairs of socks already. A wool pair and a yoga pair, so my toes and Ooh, uh, yes. heels can stick out. Well, she's an author, Heidi Hormel. She writes. Oh, she okay. wrote for Harlequin Western, and oh, um, and she'll, there'll be a lot more coming from her. She's uh, working on some really exciting projects right now. But at any rate, she doesn't know. But her favorite color is kind of teal, so I picked this variegated with teal in it. And these are just little ankle socks, mm -hmm. you know. And, but I really messed up on them. And the one had way more pickups on the gusset than the other. I didn't rip out. I just, I'm just going to go with it. And, you know, I just kind of fudge and make it work out. Um, because I never look at a gift someone, if someone yes. had missed me something, I just love it. I don't look at the yeah. stitches. So, yeah. um, yeah. So it taught me, and, and that's kind of a, that's a lesson for writing too, because sometimes I can get wrapped up. Like I have to finish the Col the Coltons I'm writing now. The, the I have to write the big bad scene mm -hmm. where they both are going to die. Um, that's really the biggest thing I got to write, and then I can start smoothing it and yep. you know making it nice and pretty for my editor and then for you guys. And um, 
knitting's the same way. You know, it looks really ugly in the middle of it, but then it can it looks really nice by the end, no matter how I do it. Yeah. I have a lot of knitting friends because my original start at YouTube was doing a knitting podcast for five years and a lot of friends in the States. And some of them are very, very, it's got to look perfect. And I kind of taught, if you will, a friend of mine online had a knit, uh, you know, giving her, uh, you know, showing her stuff and whatever. And then the one time she messages me, she says, I have an extra stitch. What do I do? I said, knit two together. <laughs> like, that's right. It's not, <laughs> should I rip out? No. <laughs> but you're right. Well, like, also... It doesn't have to be perfect because it's handmade. Yeah. Right. It's handmade. And also that, like, I don't iron. My husband, mm -hmm. if he needs something ironed, he doesn't. My definition of ironing is pull it out of the dryer on time. <laughs> um, and I realize that's very Western and very privileged. Most yeah, but... people in the world don't have dryers, but that's how I do it. And when I hand dry stuff, I flatten it out yep. and it's dry. I just, that's just me. But every, you know, what am I going to spend my time on? And, you know, this, this was hard when I first um, was trying to write. And this goes back to Bree saying, how do you do this? How do you make sure you keep that time on the writing? I had to ask myself, do I want to be everybody's friend, pleasing everybody, being there for everybody who possibly needs any little thing, or do I want to be a published author? Yep. Do I want to find out who I am? You mm -hmm. know, and, and this journey has taken me whew, a lot of places. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the, and the pandemic, what happened with me is, is again, I have been prolific with, um, with the, uh, proposals and ideas. And mm -hmm. again, and I'm really blessed to have a wonderful agent. I've had two agents. First one wasn't so great. And the second one has, she is, as far as I'm concerned, the only agent I've ever had. She mm -hmm. is on team Jerry, um, which we all need. I hope that I know there's got to be team Sarah and team Bree or you guys <laughs> wouldn't be here doing this. Um, you know, and I do have to give a shout out to my husband because he's just, he's so supportive and the fact that he stayed in the military and retired means that we have health care yeah, yes. which really frees me up to keep writing full-time because um otherwise i'd have i don't i would probably be able to pay for health care now but you know writing is not a big money maker for a long long time and then the, but the potential is always there mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. So it keeps me coming. It's like with my knitting. You know? <laughs> There's the potential that I'm going to knit an amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask something that you just touched on before yeah. we move on to fill in the sentence? Yeah. So you talked a little bit, you mentioned you've your, your agent now for anyone that's starting out, right. And they get into that biz, they get into the business, say they do get picked up or whatever the process is. Yeah. If someone, if you have an agent and you're like, man, this person are bumping heads. Like, I don't feel like they're for me, but you're new and you're just so excited about, I made it like they're interested in my work. So it's like, mm -hmm. you don't want to say, I don't really think me and this person work well together. How, like, how do you navigate? Like our working relationship isn't cohesive. Like I need to move you on. Fire them. Yeah, you fire them. Okay. Um, but there are pleasanter ways to do that. You part ways mm -hmm. because life's too short. And um, but if you're new and especially new to traditional publishing, I would give it some time. I would say, okay, how many books have they sold for me? But you know, there's a reason some of my stories haven't gotten past my agent. They are not ready for prime time. She doesn't want to send something out 
that's going to reflect poorly on me or her. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a really weird um, paradigm that we, an agent picks you, you know, you, you send in things and hope this agent will select you. But then once they do, and you sign the contract, they are your employee, they're working for you, they're getting 15%. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's easy to forget that because we, I think if you are going to go traditional publishing, you have, you must have an agent these days. Many um, places don't require you to have an agent to submit and that's fine. And you can sell that way. I sold without an agent. The first two books were without an agent. And then I felt, Oh, I have to have an agent. Well, I was too eager and, and probably got the wrong agent. Um, and because I had such a good relationship with my editor that agent didn't sell any of my books. I was selling them mm. and she was still collecting the 15%. So I wouldn't want to repeat that, but it was a lesson learned. Yeah. It's okay. It is what it is. So then I waited several books and I, I was very judicious in who I sent requests to. And I got some big bites. It was exciting. Um, I mean, they turned me down, but they were really nice turndowns. Like yeah. they just needed the right project. And then what happened was Tracy Wolf at an RWA said, I was going up to my room, Romance Writers of America conference, 2000 people exhausting, you know, and you need a break every now and then I was going up to my room for a power nap. And I got a text from Tracy who said, be in the lobby in 15 minutes in front of the concierge. I'm introducing you to my agent again, because she had several years before, but I didn't follow up on it. Mm -hmm. That's on me. And she said, don't blow me off. Because as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, I really need a nap. And she's like, don't blow me off, capital letter. So I went and um, and Emily and I, it was like, she said, send me something. I'm like, okay. And within three days of me sending it, she bought it. And wow. I mean, she she offered to represent. And that's how, I, that's been my experience in this industry. When things are right, they ha even though it's taken years and decades, mm -hmm. it will happen quickly. Mm -hmm. The long waits to hear back about books and stuff, almost for me, they've always turned into rejections. That's just, yeah. sometimes it's a revise and resubmit, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're not, if somebody, it doesn't mean I don't need somebody to blow air up my skirt. That's a nicer way of saying something else. <laughs> um, I don't need that. You know what I mean? But I do need somebody who's passionate about my story yeah. and what I want to put out there. And my, my agent now it's Emily Sylvan Kim at Prospect Agency. She and her entire agency, I mean, they're all about being passionate about each of their authors they represent and illustrators they represent mm -hmm. um kids books illustrators and so and that's what i wish for every writer is to find that agent and agency that will support you like that and you know they've got your back and i know they have my back like there's no question mm -hmm. Fascinating. But if it isn't working, it's okay that it doesn't work. We're all individual. Mm -hmm. Move on. There's somebody else out there that'll be better. Yeah. Very good. Are you ready for some fill in the sentence followed by rapid yes. fire? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. When I'm not writing, I'm knitting. <laughs> uh, in my garden right now, in my vegetable garden, I did the square foot gardening. Uh, method. And I really recommend James Pirigioni's gardener. He's the gardener from Jersey, from Joyzy. Um, I love his videos. They've helped my gardening in the garden. Yeah. In the summer, I'm in the garden. I, I might be at the gym and spin class or yoga class today. I am here instead. And so I'll do yoga <laughs> with you. Adrian. Um, I'll do a video and yeah, that's 
yeah, it's kind of boring. I have a boring life because it needs to be as much as possible to give me more room for the writing and the stories. That's yeah. just what I've learned. That's fair. Well, I don't think anything about your life that <laughs> you told us has been boring. I mean, you just no, were like casually throwing it in there. Like, well, when we lived in Belgium and then I was in Thule, Greenland, and then that time we were in Italy and I'm like, yeah. we didn't even touch on like any <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, but we've I've lived in central Pennsylvania for the last 10 yeah. years. Longest time anywhere. <laughs> wow. My celebrity crush as a teenage girl was <laughs> Barry Manilow. Oh, oh and, nice. And I and I saw Barry Manilow in concert with my writer friend Heidi Hormel at the last art debate in 2019. We're in New York City and he was opening it. I think it's called the Fountain Blue or something. It was some theater right across from the Marriott Marquis. And um, and she, and that day they had tickets available and we went and it was so exciting. Oh and she, so afterwards she said, you want to wait at the stage door? I'm like, we can do that. She goes, yes. And we did. And I saw, you know, and my 12 year old inside just absolutely absolutely love you know, I was so excited I feel like this is a cozy mystery plot two girlfriends yeah. yes. see their like teenage celebrity crush at a concert there's yeah. a murder yeah <laughs> well thank you for that idea Brie I will credit you I would love to read it thank you okay one film I will never stop watching is Sweet Home Alabama mm. oh with Reese it, it, they keep playing it and my my husband's always like how many times every time how many times have you seen this i'm like quiet i just love it <laughs> yeah. i just love it and, and i like bridesmaids because it makes me laugh so mm -hmm. hard mm -hmm. <laughs> my most comfortable attire is a t-shirt and uh workout bottoms of some sort mm -hmm. okay one of my most read authors is well, there's Stephen King, Louise Penny, Nora Roberts, Susan Wiggs, Debbie mm -hmm. Maycomer. Um, I really like, is it Ellery Adams? You know, I've oh, been yeah, doing all this research on yep. yeah. Cozies. Um, she's so good. Um, I'm reading a Lauren Elliott right now, mm -hmm. Agatha Christie. Mm. Um, I found H.L. Marze. She, she writes for a long shadow is her shadow uh is the name of the inspector she writes for Thule publisher the ones i just um sold mm -hmm. to and i'm really glad i found her she's she's really good um but she she has two books out so far oh tana french is mm -hmm. excellent i just finished the searcher um I was reading Tana French to think, you know, when I was trying to figure out what type, where I wanted to go with my mystery, but I really, really love doing a community. Yeah. And Ellery Adams, she did it. And, you know, actually when I was on Whidbey Island, I got to meet um, the Mitford series author, Jan Karen, yeah, Karen yeah. who's from North Carolina. And at the time I thought that's what I'd want to write. It was obviously way before I sold. And I had my two kids both in a double stroller I went in there and I told her I wanted to be a writer you know because I was too shy to say I am a writer then <laughs> and she looked at me and and she said you know the time will come she was but right now you're doing so much and she asked a little bit about me and she found out my husband was deployed 
um, she was the first famous author I ever met, I think. And she was so kind to me. And she said, I'll just tell you one thing. She said, um, I bathe all my works in prayer. Like she said, I, every book she ever writes, that's Mm -hmm. what she does. And she writes inspirational um, fiction, but I think that for anybody, it doesn't matter what your belief system or walk of life is. You do have to have some kind of a spiritual step off for your writing, you know, and believe that, um, you know, like Sarah Addison Alley writes magical realism, Mm -hmm. which I love, you know, you believe there's something bigger than us Mm -hmm. that's lifting up the writing. I, I, that really helped me. Um, I mean, there's so much, I I'm going through my thing here, you know, Oh, I love Vivian Chen's, um, Uh, Oh, the noodle shop mystery. The noodle shop. Those are such a delight. They are wonderful. I think it started with Death by Dumpling. Death by Dumpling, yeah. That's not the cutest. Why does it say I just think of the cover. It makes me so happy. That series, Uh, that little community, because it takes place in, I think, a larger city. However, it's a community in that. Yeah. And it's so well done. Very well done. And then I've been, I read Diane Kelly, Dead is a Door Knocker. So, I mean, I'm just, all I'm doing is scrolling through my, um, <laughs> my Kindle here. I mean, and you could tell by what I read, what I researched and what I tried. And Kate Carlisle, of course, mm-hmm. I read her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's excellent. And Kate Carlisle used to write for uh, Desire, Harlequin Desire. Oh, okay. And then she switched into Cozy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not an idiot. You know, I do, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. So years ago, before I ever sold, I knew I wanted to write I was, you know, I thought I'd be like Suze Brockman and write 60 or however many categories she wrote. Well, those days ended when indie became available yes. and then the romance genre, especially contemporary, you know, just exploded. Mm-hmm. Then we had a contraction, which is when my super contemporary books and my attempt at sexy um, happened. And, you know, that's okay. I, those, I know that that's not my... Uh, not my strongest suit. My strongest suit is with suspense. I think anything I ever write is going to have suspense in it. The World War II ones certainly have um, suspense and um, romance and, you know, that emotional thing. My other World War II, because you were talking about being historical fiction readers, um, Navy Christmas was the other book I wrote, Super Romance, and that has um, a World War II subplot, Mm -hmm. which I loved writing. Mm -hmm. That was good. Yeah. Um, rapid fire, ebook, audiobook, or physical book. What's your preferred reading method? I know you have your Kindle out. That's why. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason I love ebooks is because I read at night. I'm a yes. nighttime reader. And so I, you know, you asked early bird. So even though I'll go to bed at 10, I'm up reading till midnight. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just me. Um, and it's much easier on the eyes to read mm-hmm. digitally and on the arms holding it and everything. Seriously. Um, but I love print any for nonfiction. I, I want print. If it's going to be a reference book, it has to be print. Mm-hmm. I can't, if it's something I'm reading for research to either use in a novel or for a workshop I might be doing, I need the print book. There's just no question. I just recently um, subscribe to Audible to try it out. I think that's going to be another case of I prefer nonfiction. I've listened yep. to other books. Um, I've listened to fiction, and I'm trying to remember um, the name of the author that I listened to one of her romances. It was fine, but uh, it's not the same experience as reading. You know, I don't know. Reading feels more intimate to me than listening to somebody say it out loud. 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, so a little bit of a little bit of everything, I think. <laughs> um, you just well, you've already you, shared with um, us a bunch of your. Go ahead. You Marie. mentioned your local. The is it called Cupboard Makers Books? Cupboard Maker Books. Okay, and they're in sure Nola, we... Pennsylvania. I'm going to make sure that we put awesome. it in the show notes. So yeah, if you, there's another oh, app so called much. Libro FM and that's a way that listeners, yes. you can support yes. um, mm-hmm. indie bookstores. You, yes. you know, the money that you pay goes that. to that. I need to do that. Right. And, um, and we support them with uh, bookshop.org too. And Michelle is on my website and I, it's in my newsletter all the time that people can order through bookshop.org for any print and it supports her bookstore for any book, not just my book. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm also going to have my website developer do, um, I'd like to have a page that's exclusively about Michelle and Cupboard okay. Maker books because they, they, they put, they painted the spine of one of my books on there they have book spines so her christmas protector the first one in that the silver awesome. valley period, is on her is on the building so i mean cool. she's just amazing that is yeah. really yeah. cool that is really cool um yeah 15 years from now you're writing your memoir what's the title memoirs of a polish prince polish american princess Ooh, i love <laughs> it <laughs> That is awesome. I'm like, yeah, Western New York, you know, you would be of, yeah, uh, yeah, because I am also of Polish descent. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. So many levels. I will DM you. Okay. (laughs) Um, You decide you want takeout for dinner. Where do you order from and what's your order? Um, Okay. So recently I um, had to let go of uh, sugar and flour in my life. Well, about a year and a half ago. Um, I'm, I'm literally allergic to them. I can't, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm a food addict. If Mm -hmm. I have one bite, I won't stop. So my new favorite takeout is um, Chinese uh, mixed vegetables with shrimp over rice. And I absolutely, and and with white sauce, and I always ask them not to put sugar in it. I used to love the brown sauce, but Mm -hmm. then I'll start craving other bad things like, you know, Things that I do not need to have. But I'm enjoying I'm enjoying my life so much more than I ever did. Good. And tea and coffee taste so good to me because my palate's changed. I never used to be able to drink American coffee. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink coffee till I was forty when we I hate to say this free were stationed in Naples. And I'm like, Oh, oh I gosh. love this cappuccino stuff and this espresso <laughs> stuff. Of course, then I was probably putting in three packets of sugar. Yeah. So, oh, it's yeah, it's natural sugar. It's fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, well, yeah, twenty some years ago, and my metabolism was faster. I was yeah. fine. But at any rate, um, I really, yeah, I mean, I love tea and coffees. Mm-hmm. I just love those flavors. Yummy, yummy. But yeah, Chinese takeout's the big thing for me. Yeah. Nice. What's the most random place an idea for a book presented itself to you? Um, oh, my physical therapist office. This is in one of my super romances. Um, okay, six and a frozen shoulder, which I have a feeling I'm going to get sent back for again. And um, he has this underwater treadmill in there. I've never used it, but other people have. And I said, huh, could somebody drown in that? Oh my and gosh. I do have somebody drown in one of those. Yeah, <laughs> that is such a romantic suspense author thought. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is that random enough? Yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's yeah, my that'll favorite. Work. <laughs> that is hilarious. So before we get off, 
where can everyone yeah. follow you online? You can follow me online. Um, I would always start with my website, jerrycroto.com, because my website designer is Julia Quinn's sister. Is it okay to say that? Oh, wow. She is brilliant. And they, and I've been with her since the beginning and she is on team Jerry because she's always supported me. She's always understood that while I might not have the budget of some of the bigger name authors yet, mm-hmm. I will someday. You um, will. Well, you know, she's, she's always worked with me and she's amazing and so talented. And there is a plethora of information there, <clears throat> including my social media links. Instagram's my favorite platform right now. So if you like photos mm-hmm. and photos of nature, knitting, and I am starting to put more book recommendations up there because it's I'm as I'm learning to use the app better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can ignore those if you don't like them. Um, but uh, yeah, Instagram, I'm on Facebook and always with my name, Jerry Croto, G-E-R-I, and then K-R-O-T-O-W. Um, I'm on Twitter, but honestly, I just pop in basically to retweet we retweet mm-hmm. other authors' books and my own. You know, it's just um, I don't do a lot there. I I might start doing more. I'm also on Pinterest, and I have board, boards there for each of my series. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Well, all of Jerry's information will be in the show notes. Listeners, go follow her. Yay. Keep up with her. Yes. I think we have October, right? October's when we can expect yes. the next book. Okay. Yeah. in Silver Valley. And there'll be um, two books coming out in 2022. Another cult. Oh, three. A Colton's book and a, a love inspired suspense. Um, mountain. A mountain suspense set in Newfoundland, Labrador. Uh huh. And then, yeah. And I'm excited about that one stranded in the mountains. I think is the title. And then the next one, um, then my cozy will come out in November and I will be doing a special pre-release signing because I can with, um, the cozy at cover maker books in Enola, Pennsylvania. So whether people can come in person or, they um, want to just order a book. And for international people, I'll always send a signed book plate, you know. That is so cool. Whatever. That is awesome. Thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been amazing. You oh, guys are the best. Thank, thank you. you for chatting with us. Listeners, again, Definitely. check show notes. All yep. of her information will be there. I've jotted down titles and authors she's mentioned. So, I mean, yep. if you want, I just think it's fascinating people that you love to see the stuff that they love. So go check out That's the right. authors and titles that she's mentioned and you have to come back, Jerry. This can't be the first time. Yes. Yes. First and only time. You have to yes. No, anytime. I'm, I'm not afraid to talk. <laughs> uh, we like we that love, here. We love it here. 